everyone. Welcome to the Well Endowed Podcast. I'm Elizabeth Monkink. And I'm Andrew Paul. This podcast is brought to you by Edmonton Community Foundation, and we are a proud affiliate member of the Alberta Podcast Network. Edmonton is full of generous donors who've created endowment funds at ECF. These funds generate money to support charities in Edmonton and beyond. On this podcast, we share stories about how these funds help strengthen our community, because it's good to be well endowed. On this episode, Shane Scott tells us about the endowment fund he created to support LGBTQ2S plus students as they pursue post-secondary education. We know from listening to the experiences of people from this community that there are still many barriers that they face. When it comes to post-secondary, this can seriously impact how, or even if, a student is able to complete their studies. In 2019, the Center for Gender and Sexual Diversity published their findings that queer students reported that their academic performance was negatively impacted by physical or sexual assault and discrimination at a significantly higher rate than their peers. The negative impacts to their performance range from lower grades to drop courses and even not completing their program. That same study found that transgender students reported feeling more unsafe than cisgendered students on campus, be it in general, while walking alone, or while taking transit. Shane Scott wanted to help students facing these kinds of barriers continue with their education by helping with the financial side of things. Our correspondent, Emily Rendell Watson, brings us this story. The cost to pursue higher education can be a huge barrier. For LGBTQ2S plus students, this barrier is just one of many. That's why Shane Scott has created a new fund for high school and post-secondary students through the Edmonton Community Foundation. He's hoping to make the cost of post-secondary schooling more manageable for students like him through the Shane Scott Pride Fund. And this month, Pride Month, he's raising money to support the fund. He's also bringing together Edmontonians from the LGBTQ2S plus community to share their experiences throughout the month of June on social media. One of those people is NDP MLA Janice Irwin. You know, as someone who's been a teacher and has worked in education for many, many years, anything that we can be doing as a broader community to improve accessibility for young queer and trans folks, I think that's absolutely critical work. My dream would be that we wouldn't need to have funds like the one that Shane is building, that post-secondary education would be accessible to all, but we're not there yet. So until we're there, we need to be creative. And, and that's why I'm, I'm proud to support the work that Shane and, and ECF are doing. Like Janice, many agree that Shane's fund is vital for Edmonton's LGBTQ2S plus community. So without further ado, I want to introduce you to Shane. He's going to share his story with us and talk about the need and intent behind this fund. So the Shane Scott Pride Fund is was an endowment fund through the Edmonton Community Foundation. And so it'll provide a number of awards, depending on how much we're able to fundraise and how much is is in the fund for LGBTQ2S plus students who are pursuing post-secondary education. They won't be uh, academic-based awards, they'll be bursaries. So they're they're based on financial need and obviously the the kind of qualification around self-identifying as a member of the community. And there's some preference given as well to involvement in the community or leadership roles or student government, similar to, to some of my experiences. So the fund itself is, an opportunity for me, at least, to kind of help 
rally some folks in the community to, to pay it forward to sort of the next generation of students and support them in, in accessing post-secondary education. And the fund itself isn't, I mean, hopefully one day it will be a huge amount of money, but right now it's it won't, but it's some support and some, I think, validation of queer students' experiences and the barriers they face with post-secondary. And how much money are you hoping to fundraise initially for the fund? Our goal for June is to fundraise $10,000. Okay. Can you tell me more about why you wanted to start this fund? What's your own story that led to this? I've thought about doing something like this for a number of years now. And I don't know if it was the if it was the pandemic giving me too much spare time or what to make it be this year, but it really came from from my own experiences coming to post-secondary. When I came out in high school, it wasn't the most positive experience for me. And I faced a lot of bullying and discrimination and my family wasn't very supportive when I first came out. And so I think because of that, I I turned completely into like student politics, leadership type stuff through high school. And when it came time to graduate, I realized that I needed to kind of go my own way and figure out who I needed to be. And I think also find a community that was that would be more supporting and, and also just offer a fresh start. And so I grew up in Calgary, why I left Calgary and came to Edmonton was because I, I just needed to get away and find space for myself. That comes with a lot of financial implications. My family wasn't really able to support me at all with my post-secondary. And so I was financing it myself. Feeling the need to leave was just an added expense. I've always had that kind of that thought and that memory and those feelings in the back of my mind. And I've been very fortunate to get involved in student politics and have a number of really great jobs and start my career. And so I still think about, you know, like 18-year-old Shane who was trying to decide between, you know, being able to afford university residence or staying at home in like a not so supportive environment and deciding to bite the bullet and take the hit with the the financial cost, what this type of award would mean to me and to students like me. And so that's really why I wanted to start it. And I think as I started looking into it more and more, I realized there's like a much more of a systemic problem for LGBTQ2S plus youth when it comes to post-secondary and the cost of education and what students need to take on to be able to afford school. And so that's kind of snowballed. And now we're here today. In terms of your own experience, like really deciding to take that leap and take on the financial implications of that to be able to, like you said, go to university and be in residence and, you know, perhaps be in a a bit more of a supportive environment. How big of an impact did that have on you? Yeah. So that decision came down to, you know, what path I wanted to take. And I look back now and I don't regret coming to university, coming to Edmonton and I was awarded so many great opportunities, you know, meeting some of my best friends in life. I, I met in university residents uh, that got me involved in the students union. And I worked for the students union for a while. And then that led to me meeting great folks there who encouraged me to run for students union, which then kind of snowballed and began my career with the university and public service. And uh, when I look back, it, it seems unfathomable to look back and, and imagine what my life would have been like if I would have stayed at home. And I think both just because I wouldn't have been obviously in, in Edmonton, but I think also, you know, that supportive community is so important to being able to like live and be your authentic self and feel comfortable and putting yourself out there. And I don't know if I would have had the same, yeah, this, the same support or the, the same feeling of support, at least if I would have stayed. Um, so I think it, it's completely changed my life trajectory, being able to go to university and to access, you know, the experiences I did. Then I remember like, you know, there's lots of students who can't or don't feel empowered to make that choice and how we can support them. So you mentioned some of the challenges that 
in particular face the queer community and queer youth when it comes to actually accessing post-secondary education? What are those challenges? Yeah, when I started doing some research into identifying the problem and trying to better understand, you know, experiences of people like me who identify as part of the LGBTQ2S community who, who are trying to go to post-secondary. And I started learning more about, and there's some some research coming out of Canada and out of the States regarding LGBTQ2S people's relationship with debt and student debt specifically. From the research that does exist, it, it's pretty clear that LGBTQ2S youth end up taking on more student debt to go to school. There's research around, you know, total amounts, that, like the one foreign research poll identified that uh, 9% of LGBTQ2S plus youth graduate with more than $70,000 in debt in Canada, compared to just 1% of, of non-self-identifying respondents in, in their research. What is so systemic that's causing this discrepancy? And there's unfortunately not a lot of research right now on kind of the connection between, you know, LGBTQ2S plus youth experience and the outcome that is student debt. But I think when we look at some of the other factors we we do know, we, we understand that queer youth are more likely to experience discrimination, whether that's at home, at work, at school, which has a number of negative impacts, whether that's on, you know, type of work students have or the experiences they have at work, accessing things like promotion, summer jobs, or if it's, you know, in schools, there's been reports of students who experience negative academic outcomes from discrimination and physical and sexual assault when they're in the K-12 system, which then impacts their performance in their academic programs, uh, which then may go on to impact admission to university, qualification for academic-based awards, which may help with the cost of education. I think one of the main ones, too, is the reality that a lot of LGBTQ2S plus youth who aren't accepted in their homes have to leave, whether that's because they're being forced to leave, they're being kicked out, or they have to leave due to safety because their family's unsupportive, and that could be leading to physical violence, harassment, trauma, Um, or there's students like me who aren't supported and need to to find that space for themselves. If students leave, they're less likely to have that financial support of their families, particularly if they've been forced out. And so you then lose the safety net. And there's some other research about kind of debt overall for for queer folks. And when you don't have that safety net, when you you need to buy a textbook you didn't anticipate, you don't have someone to call and ask for money. You just put out your credit card. Or if you have some other life event happen, you know that what you should have a rainy day fund for a lot of queer folks don't necessarily and don't have someone to rely on. And so that just snowballs over the course of your degree and you end up taking on more debt. And I think that's how we end up in the situation we're in where where youth have so much more debt overall. And I think that forms a barrier for queer youth because then you're in the situation like me where you're deciding, you know, do I pursue this great opportunity at a financial cost or do I not? When you think about Edmonton in particular and how necessary a fund like this is to support youth here, why do we need this in Edmonton in particular? Right now, there's a number of awards that do already exist kind of in relation to this. There's some specific to U of A. I believe McCune might have an award as well. And there's only one or two other for the region that are kind of unattached to specific institutions. So I think this is just an opportunity to support students further who identify as part of the queer community. And I think also the award itself, I think, is a great validation of student experiences. We know that LGBTQ youth do face discrimination in schools in Edmonton and in Alberta. And so when it comes time to graduate and you're trying to make those financial decisions, I think it it does act to validate experiences in many ways. Why is access to education so important for the queer community in particular? 
I think access to education is so important for queer folks in general, and it, it doesn't have to necessarily even be queer youth. I think anyone who identifies as part of the community who's pursuing post-secondary, I think is worthy and deserves this kind of support. Because to me, education is a way to uplift the world, like uplift society, uplift the city. Unfortunately, for so long, I think LGBTQ folks were disadvantaged and, and were largely, I won't say they weren't included, because I think there's a long history of, of queer folks in post-secondary especially, but there's been a limitation put on people where they can't truly be their authentic selves in educational settings in post-secondary. And when you look at the broader discrimination, it does marginalize folks so that they, they don't access or can't access post-secondary. So I think it's really important for the betterment of the, the world for queer folks to have the same access, the same opportunity. And with that kind of access and that opportunity comes further opportunity, like my experience. You know, you go to university to then maybe get a higher paying job and then you're able to pay forward in the community or, you know, start building wealth in new ways as part of the queer community. I think it can be a game changer for a lot of people. You've chosen to launch this fund and fundraising for this fund during Pride Month. I'm hoping you can tell me a little bit about what Pride means to you and and why you've chosen to do this in June. I think Pride, well, first is different for different people. I, I think, you know, everyone experiences Pride in this time of month or this time of year uniquely. And I think that's because so many different people in the community have different experiences. And for some, and I think it's a sign of great progress for some, you know, Pride is what they see as a time of celebration and recognition of how far we've come in society. And and for others, it's a very different experience. You know, there's lots of folks who still face immense discrimination in the community. I think Pride is also a time to reflect and realize what other work we have left to do. We can celebrate, but we also have to ask ourselves what we're doing to try and help the community, move the community forward, you know, uplift marginalized folks so that they're able to be themselves and celebrate and live and experience the world fully. At this moment in time, this is one of the things I'm doing to try and do something for the community. Like, I think people in Edmonton and in Canada view, or we're increasingly viewing LGBTQ2S plus issues as resolved. And I think for a lot of folks, and this is something I've discovered, you know, just starting to just share these facts and figures and, you know, highlight to people that know, like, queer youth do still get bullied and they do experience physical and sexual violence disproportionately today. I think people are, are very surprised by that. And so one thing I, I've really been trying to, to hit home is, you know, like, this isn't a solved issue in the Canadian context. Like, I had my own experiences of bullying, but I know there's still students today who do experience bullying and do still have unsupportive homes who often find themselves potentially on the street, even experiencing homelessness. It's a success that we've been able to get to the place where people think it's fixed, but we also have to recognize what's left to do. And so that's part of the fund as well, is to help raise awareness that these issues are still very real for a lot of people. Jonah Elke is someone who could have benefited from a fund like this. Jonah currently works at HIV Edmonton as a capacity building facilitator, primarily working on education initiatives and with Indigenous people. He grew up in Yellowknife and moved to Edmonton in 2008 for university. After his undergrad, he took on a PhD. Five years in, he had to drop out. Here's Jonah sharing more about his story and what this fund would have meant to him. I left grad school in 2019 due to my mental health kind of 
getting sort of bad related to being trans. Yeah. So I, um, I'm transgender. I'm a trans masculine person. I came out in 2018. I'm also queer and I've known that for a long time, but yeah, my gender transition stuff coincided with when I was in grad school and it turns out that's really hard to do trying to figure out who you are as a person while also trying to write your dissertation. Why do you think this fund is needed? For a lot of different reasons. First of all, a lot of queer students, LGBTQ students, don't have the support from their families that a lot of straight people do, right? If you are sort of leaving a home environment that wasn't supportive of you, a lot of folks rely on their parents through their university years. And if you don't have access to that kind of support, you can end up in pretty financially dire circumstances. For me, I was kind of running out of funding for grad school. It was taking me a really long time to finish my dissertation because I was trying to figure out who I was as a person. And being trans can be really traumatic, like a really traumatic experience. You are trying to navigate a world that's not really set up for you. You're trying to learn about who you are and your body and sort of what that means for your gender. I had spent a really long time really dissociated. And so sort of coming to when I came out and trying to navigate that and trying to figure out like what I want my life to look like and all of that was really hard while I was in grad school. And then that last year of grad school, I only made $8,000, which about 5,000 of that went to tuition, but I couldn't really rely on my parents. And I had to leave because I just couldn't, I couldn't afford it. And I couldn't afford the mental health care that I needed from sort of being trans and all that trauma. And yeah, I think too, I was looking at like gendered scholarships when I was in grad school and there's a lot of scholarships for women, but like, I'm not a woman. And so you just sort of end up in this like weird middle ground when you're trans, can't really access things that are specifically for people who are oppressed because of their gender, right? How would having access to a fund like this, what would that have meant for you? Having access to LGBTQ 2S plus specific university funding would have meant that I potentially could have stayed in grad school when I felt like I couldn't, right? I was trying to afford really expensive mental health care while also navigating finishing my dissertation. And it would have meant that I could keep my head above water and I could I could have had the option of staying when I did have to leave. Earlier in my degree too, it would have meant that I would have maybe not had to take out student loans the way that I did. And I probably would have been in a better financial position now. The Edmonton Community Foundation has many funds that support the LGBTQ2S plus community. Here are just a few. The Ronald Gordon Rosewell O'Connor Fund supports a scholarship for a student at the University of Alberta. The Pride Center of Edmonton Fund goes towards providing social support services for LGBTQ2S plus individuals and their families or to offer educational programs related to issues within the community. And the Moorheart Personal and Community Leadership Fund aims to assist students from diverse backgrounds, including youth in the LGBTQ2S plus community who demonstrate personal and community leadership in developing others and themselves to succeed in future learning and career endeavors. And that's just the beginning. You can learn more about these funds and others at ecfoundation.org funds. And if you've been inspired by this conversation and want to donate to the Shane Scott Pride Fund, you can go to the link I just mentioned, ecfoundation.org funds, and search that name, Shane Scott Pride Fund. 
As Shane mentioned, the initial goal is to raise $10,000, which will result in a $400 annual award. Thank you for listening and a big thank you to Shane Scott and Jonah Elke for sharing their experiences. Thanks very much to Emily Rendell Watson for bringing us that story. As you heard, the current goal of the fund is to raise $10,000. Once it reaches $10,000, it will be able to make its first grant of $400. That may sound small to start, but as the fund continues to grow over the coming years, the more it will give. Forever. You might be wondering exactly how that works. Here's Matt Mandrusiak, donor advisor here at ECF, to explain the magic. So thanks, Andrew and Elizabeth. I know you talked a little bit about Shane's fund hitting $10,000 and being able to provide a grant of 400 for those first few awards. And you're right, that doesn't seem like a lot of money right off the bat. But what Shane and many of our donors like about coming to work with ECF is the fact that this is going to be for the long-term benefit of the community. And while it may not seem like that impact's going to be felt right away once that $10,000 granting threshold is hit, The idea is with the way that ECF invests funds for long-term growth, the fact that the fund is permanent and will be here forever, and the fact that Shane and many of our other donors are constantly fundraising to build their fund year after year, the fund is going to grow exponentially and the impact is going to be felt for a long, long time. Shane's got the idea that in 25, 50, 100 years down the road, this is going to be a very impactful fund that even if he's not around or if any of us aren't around to see it anymore, he has the peace of mind of knowing that this fund is going to be exponentially greater than it is right now. And it's going to be supporting this community for many, many generations to come. Just to give you a quick example, there was a fund created with a single contribution in 1992. This fund was created with one donation, no other donations, $100,000, which is a great gift. Since that time, the fund itself has grown to double its size. It's about $205,000 in approximate balance right now. Cumulatively, even with our 4% granting uh, on an annual basis, it has granted over $170,000 back to the organization that it's supporting. And so those numbers are going to continue to grow year after year. And so that fund is about 30 years old now. So if you can start to see the long-term impact of something like this, you can start to see how impactful a permanent endowment fund can be on our community. Thanks, Matt. Now, let's see, what do we have in the show notes for you this time? Ah, yes. On this episode, you heard a few statistics about the barriers LGBTQ2S plus students face when it comes to post-secondary education. We have links to the reports and resources that demonstrate those stats in our show notes. We'll also have the link to the Shane Scott Pride Fund, where you can see more of Scott's story. And while you're clicking your links, don't forget to check out all of our other upcoming student awards and granting deadlines. Well, that brings us to the end of the show. Thanks so much for sharing your time with us. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, be sure to share it with all your friends. If you have time, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Those reviews help new listeners find our show. And come find us on Facebook. That's where you can share your thoughts and see some pictures from the show. Thanks again for tuning in. We've been your hosts, Elizabeth Bonkink and Andrew Paul. Until Until next time. time.
The Well Endowed Podcast is produced by Edmonton Community Foundation and is an affiliate member of the Alberta Podcast Network. The show is edited by Lisa Pruden. You can visit our website at thewellendowedpodcast.com. Subscribe to us on iTunes. And follow us on Twitter at the ECF. Our theme music is by Octavo Productions. And as always, don't forget to visit Edmonton Community Foundation at ecfoundation.org. Well Endowed.